This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick podcast, where we explore all things related to motherhood, from career and relationships to parenting and wellness. Join me, Nina Spears, your baby expert and host, as we dive into topics that matter to mothers, share personal stories and insights, and interview experts and parents who can provide valuable advice and perspectives. Whether you're a first-time mom just starting out or a seasoned pro, we've got you covered. So grab a cup of tea, sit back, and let's Chick Chat. Hey guys, welcome to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick Podcast. I'm Nina Spears, the Baby Chick, your host, and today we have speech language pathologist Lenora Edwards with us. Lenora is an ASHA board certified speech language pathologist and chief knowledge officer with Better Speech. Since obtaining her CCCs in 2010, she has worked with individuals of all ages from little ones who are learning to understand and express themselves to adults who want to improve their speaking skills and become more fluent and effective communicators. Today, Lenora will be chatting with us about signs of speech and language delays. We will dive into how parents can identify a speech or language delay and the steps that follow. Let's welcome Lenora to the show. Hi, Lenora. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast, Chick Chat. Thank you so much for having me, Nina. I'm so excited to be here with you. Oh, same. Likewise. And we are really interested in learning more about this topic. But of course, before we dive in, we always like to learn a little bit more about our guests and your experience. So Lenora, can you tell us about you and your background and how you came to specialize in speech and language? Absolutely. Oh my goodness. I'm going to try and give you the quick wrap up of my last 12 years. I actually started out in nursing school and it just was not quite a fit. And I absolutely love nurses and they run in my family and it just wasn't a match for me. So I took myself right across the uh, field to communication sciences and disorders. And I went to a school in Pennsylvania and I absolutely loved it and dove right in. And then I went on to graduate school also in Pennsylvania and with better speech to work for this company that I work with, we all have to have at least 10 years of experience. So I've worked in the NICU and the PICU and the adult intensive care unit and in skilled nursing settings and in school settings. So I've really done my best to have a very wide and thorough career so far. And I'm very, very pleased that I had those amazing opportunities because they really help shape me into how I think and how I can dynamically move and being so open to learning from other practitioners. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. And having all of that experience in the different areas, I'm sure you just picked up so much just from your patients, not even from schooling, but from your patients too. Very much so. Very, very much so. I love that. And I know one of your areas of expertise in speech and language delay is the delays. And Please tell us more about your experience and background when it comes to delays. Absolutely. And that's a great question. So when it comes to a child, especially I've worked quite a bit with children, there are two components to how we communicate. So there is our speech development and our speech is the articulation, the voice and the fluency component of how we talk. 
Then there's the language component and language is actually broken up into two parts. We have the receptive component of language. So everything you're doing, your listeners are doing, you're hearing information, you're understanding it. Then we have the expressive component and that's everything that I'm doing as I'm talking with grammatically correct sentences and plurals and all this jazz in our language. That's where we have the speech component and the language component. And when little ones come into this world, their minds are growing so phenomenally fast. And we actually come in with the ability to understand language. Now, that being said, there has to be language input for those parts of the brain to develop and to then be able to communicate the way that we do. And we normally don't think about how we're communicating. We're thinking about what we want to say, but we don't really think all that much about it. And it's just absolutely amazing how the brain cultivates and understands all the language that's in the environment. And I'll often tell people when they share with me that they're pregnant, I go, great, start talking. Because that part of the brain develops when there's language input. And it's so important to offer a language-rich environment to little ones because they're always listening. They're listening for sounds in their environment. They're listening for voices. They're listening for changes in their tone. And this is how they start to cultivate their understanding of their language and also how they start to cultivate their ability to express. So little ones, when they, especially moms and dads know and guardians, they know the difference between the cry for sure. They, yes. no, no, that's you a cry. No, yep. no. <laughs> yep. And the reason you know it so well is because that baby wants you to know what they want and what they need. That is them intentionally communicating with you. And they also communicate through coos and babbles and as they're having that vocal play while they're laying in the crib or with you. So it's important to offer that language-rich environment so that they understand that they have the ability to communicate, but also having that interaction where you're modeling them. And if they're going, you're also doing, and you're giving them that opportunity to go back and forth and to understand that they have a voice, that they can communicate and that you're playing and you're engaging and that you're modeling them too. And it's just this beautiful unfolding of communication that happens for little ones as their speech and language develops. And when it comes to delays, there's a wide variety. So if we're looking at little ones that are early on, so less than 12, are they starting to vocalize? Are they crying all the time or are they crying with intention? That's definitely something to notice. But also, are they vocalizing in play when they're laying in the crib or when they're with you? Are they making those noises? Are they watching you? Are they tracking you? Are they listening for sound? Are they turning their head and understanding somebody else came into the room or somebody left the room? There's a different voice here, that voice left. And really understanding that's how they're starting to piece together this information. And as language does start to develop, as those words start to develop, we often say at one year, you're going to have one word vocabulary. So by that first birthday, you're there around you'll hear that typical language of that first word. And yay, it's here. They finally have their first word. And at one year, between one year to two years, you're going to hear one word vocabulary start to build. So now they're going to not just say ma and dad. They're going to move to cup and bear and dog. And they're going to start to attempt those sounds. And that's a great thing because they've now moved from vowels when they were in the crib and just, uh, 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 mm, 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 
They're just playing. Now they're starting to understand, ooh, intention. Things have a name. I understand that this is my bear. I understand that this is my cup. And I can tell people that this is juice. And as they're going from one to two years old, at two years, they're going to start to build on what they've now gained. So it'll go from one word to two words. So instead of just juice, they're going to go more juice. And they're going to approximate for it. And that's a great thing. That's them understanding language. That's them intentionally communicating, but it's also building that phonological repertoire that they're developing. Wow. I know that was a lot. No, that was amazing. I was going to say that was so much rich information. Thank you so much. And I already love how you gave us so many pieces of advice, including from like the very beginning of pregnancy, start talking. Like this was really, really cool. And I think that a lot of parents worry that if their kids aren't saying the same amount of words as their friends. You know, the comparison game totally happens, even though we're telling parents, don't do that. Talk to your pediatrician and see what's, you know, right and normal for your child. So this is just such great information to really help them get on the right foot. That's really cool. And Lenora, like what age is speech considered to be delayed? If there's a parent out there and just kind of concerned, oh, I don't know if my child is saying enough words or not really saying any words right now, when is it then considered delayed? That's a great question. And it's a quite a broad question. So especially when you roll over in the middle of the night and you're at 2 a.m. and suddenly you're wondering, is my child saying enough words? How many can I count? Especially when they're like, oh, I have about 50 words. You're like, I would about, huh? I don't know. <laughs> it's a really difficult number. When it comes to that, my first encouragement is always If you have concerns, reach out to a professional because people, especially when you turn to your friends and your family, they might have the best interests of you and, oh, you might be overreacting. You're just overreacting. And you might be having an instinct response that's going, yeah, something else is going on. And I've heard it thousands of times where people told me not to come and I'm so glad I did. With Better Speech, we are actually an online speech therapy company. Now, we also offer something I'm incredibly proud of, which is a consultation. You can visit our website and you can speak with a speech language pathologist completely for free and you can get your questions answered. And that is truly an amazing thing because if you called up an outpatient clinic or if you called up early intervention, they might say, okay, great, we'll see you in three to six months. That's a long time, especially when you have a little mind and body that are growing rapidly. We don't have six months to say, oh, let's put this on the back burner. If you have questions, absolutely reach out to professionals. I'm a massive supporter of that because as a professional, we're looking at things differently than friends and family as we should be. We are specifically trained to do that. And that's a good thing. That's why you seek out a professional. When it comes to a delay in language, and sometimes we'll hear, well, my baby isn't talking and we'll go, okay, well, Tell me a little bit more. What does that mean? Because your talking is different than my talking. Are they communicating? Are they coming over to you and going, and pointing to something that they want? They're vocalizing, intentionally communicating to you. I would like that. Can you please grab it for me? Because it's out of my reach. That's a great thing. Are they having any type of vocal play? Are they moving their mouth? Are they playing with their mouth? Especially when kids start to explore putting different foods, different objects. That's a great thing. They're trying to understand their environment and they're also getting different sensory input and they're also having play with their mouth. They're getting that movement. 
And that's a wonderful thing because it's building that muscle structure. It's helping that strength and that coordination and that movement. Phenomenal, phenomenal things that we want to see in child development. When it comes to words, especially for somebody who's presenting with apraxia, which is an organization, they actually know what they want to say, but it's not coming out. And they might communicate in vowels and they might go, and that was mommy, I love you. And it's important to understand and be open to say, you know what, something might be right. And I want to make sure I'm doing the best for my child, especially because we also get the something's wrong, something's wrong. And I always tell parents, you did nothing wrong. You did nothing wrong. And it's not you're the problem. It's here's where we are. Let's look at this together. And they realize I didn't do anything wrong because especially with parenting and being a guardian to a child, the child that's developing and then you're wanting to do what's best and then you're trying to keep up with the Joneses. It's a lot. And then you have social media that you're also trying to keep up with. It's a lot. And to help quiet the noise and realize, you know what, everything needs to go out there. This is the only thing I need to focus on right now is being here with my child and helping them develop the skills. I didn't do anything wrong. Other people didn't do anything wrong. Everybody just needs to be quiet. And we're going to come back to the table and we're going to look at how we can all support this individual. Great. So in essence, just really listen to your gut. If you're feeling like something is not right, reach out to a professional because really that answer is it can, it can be, be, it can't be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Lenora, is there a specific cause when a child has a speech or language delay? I love how you said, it's not your fault, mama, dada, it's not your fault, but is there a cause for a delay? Absolutely. There might be. It might be related to neurological development. Something else might be going on. There may be some indicators of autism. There may be some indicators of just simply a delay in development. There may be a family lineage of it. It may be genetic. You know, sometimes we see individuals who had parents who are disfluent. They're also experiencing disfluencies. And it may just be environmental as in your child is beautifully, typically developing, but there are two older siblings and those two older siblings talk for your child. Your third child then has no reason to talk because these two, I don't have a problem at all. They're doing all the work for me. And sometimes it's just not necessarily that they can't talk. It's just that they haven't had the opportunity and somebody's anticipating everything for them, which is a lovely thing. But at the same time, we want them to have the opportunity to speak. And we want to offer those opportunities to speak as much as possible. So even if it's, let's say it's your third child, we'll keep going with that example to say to the, the two older ones, thank you so much. I really appreciate you helping and wanting to be a part of it. Let's be on the same team and let's wait to see what they tell us and get those two on your side. Because when you can get them on your side, rather than shh, shh, just not be quiet, it's supporting them, but it's also getting them to understand he or she has a voice too. And that's a good thing. And now we can play in a totally new way. And it might be just circumstances of where that is. So it's not one thing and it's not only 10 things. It could be anything. But that's helpful to know that when you seek out a professional, if you're having these concerns, that they can actually potentially tell you what the causes are. And because you know, like the root cause, you can hopefully do things to better the situation or potentially even fix it if that's possible, right? 
Completely. Absolutely. And I love that you also pointed out earlier about the guidelines. The guidelines are great. They are windows of typical development. And if your child is saying a window of 18 months to 24 months, that's a huge amount of time. But also to understand that if they didn't meet it by 18 months, it certainly does not mean that they won't get there at some point. Everybody's developing at their own age, especially in those brackets of time to just acknowledge, you know what? We got time. It's okay. I'm doing my best. If I have concerns, I know I can reach out to people, but it's okay that on their 18th month, first day, they didn't meet this milestone. Okay. That gives us a little bit of peace and comfort to know that, but I also now want to know, like, what are the signs and symptoms of a speech and language delay? Because if you see something and you're like, oh, it might not be that, well, then what can, like, how can parents identify this in their child? And when should they seek a professional opinion? I know that we said if you're just feeling something's off, you know, if you have questions, reach out. But are there any true signs or symptoms that we should also keep in our mind? Absolutely. So, We're going to start with receptive language. When it comes to receptive language, is your child able to follow simple commands, one-step commands? Show me the ball. Show me your nose. Show me your toes. Are they able to point to things? Where's the dog? Who came in the room? Where's daddy? And asking those types of questions, those are great questions. They're simple questions, especially as they get older. Whereas to your five-year-old, you might say, okay, I want you to go upstairs, get ready for bed, change your pajamas and pull out a book. That's a lot. But at a five-year-old, they're prepped and ready to go and take that information. You say that to your two-year-old and they're going to get lost looking for something else. It's too much information. So when we're asking these simple things and helping our child understand, what's this? (gasps) Nose. Or show me your nose. When you do show me your nose, that's a command. They have to understand okay, I need to raise up my hand and touch my nose. That's a really good thing because what they're doing is they're identifying body parts. Then when we say, show me the dog, or if you're looking in a book, show me the tree, you're starting to identify what else is going on. And they're able to understand you asked them something specific and now they're going to point to it. That's a great developmental thing to be aware of as you're playing and you're saying, where's your duck? And they have to then look around for their duck and they have to know you asked me something and now it's not in front of me or it's not on me. I need to go look for it. That's a great thing. As they start to get a little bit older to see when, okay, we're going to go out and you're grabbing your stuff. Your little one should know, oh, okay, I got to go get my shoes. They're able to anticipate what the next step is that they're going to do. Those are really, really good indicators that your child is developing and that they have this awareness. Let's say you have a two-year-old or three-year-old and you're saying, okay, I want you to go take this and go put it on the table. They're taking something and then they have to go do something. That's another direction. And they also have to understand that it's on the table, not under the table, not near the chair, not across the room. They have to be able to follow out these commands that you're indicating to them. Those are great indicators of your child understanding what you're saying and that they're able to carry it out. They're complex, but we don't think of them as complex. We're like, well, just go put it on the table. But to them, it's like, oh, okay, I have to take this, go put it here. Did I get it right? And that's a developmental thing. When it comes to speech, what we want to see is 
your child being able to communicate their wants and their needs. So when they need help, are they able to quite literally indicate to you in some way, shape or form that they need help? Whether they're crying, whether they're starting to use their words, that's a good indicator of them understanding something's wrong, I need some assistance. And as they start to develop, when those words are or are not coming in, if they're not vocalizing intentionally, if they're not wanting to be heard and they're not starting to use words, that's an indicator that there is a delay. I don't hear my child talking a lot. They're just not saying very much. I see them with other children and they don't, they don't interact. They go away. When we start to see avoidance behaviors or frustration, especially if you had a two-year-old and their language is developing, but now you're starting to see behaviors because people aren't understanding them. You might see those dreaded terrible twos. I'd like to call them the terrific twos, but that's neither here nor there. When you start to see behaviors that are resulting in frustration, when other people can't understand, we're going to go with the age of three and four, because at that point, they're able to communicate a little bit more independently. Two is still a little tough. So at the age of three and four and five, if you're seeing behaviors where they're turning away from people, where they're not walking up to people to be curious and intentionally communicate. Those are indicators that something else is going on. And also, when they are having frustrations, if you're the only one that's communicating for them and they can't communicate without you, that's a very big red flag because they need to be able to communicate effectively. And it's also really frustrating for them that they can't communicate without you. So there's lots of different areas, especially when we're looking at children, we like to look at them individually. So I'd always encourage people to use the guidelines, but also educate yourself. What else should my child be using? Because sometimes they'll give you three or four bullet points and it's nice to have other resources. I know some people will have parenting books or YouTubes or great podcasts like this one, but it's important to do your best to keep educating yourself because you're not supposed to know it all. Even Google gets it wrong tons of times. You're not supposed to know it all and that's okay. Arming yourself and supporting yourself and educating yourself on where developmentally your child may be is a great thing, but also listening to other people's stories because they're similar to yours and it's not necessarily a, they're doing it better. Here's another option. Here's something we didn't know that might be useful to us. Wonderful. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Thank you so much for going over all of that because I think a lot of people just think of the spoken language, but I love how you also told us like even following commands, like really understanding the different things versus a speech and a language delay. I just, that's super helpful. So thank you for doing that, Lenora. And hearing that your child might be delayed can be really scary for a parent. Oh my gosh. What advice would you offer to parents in this situation? The best advice is to understand you're not the problem. You didn't do anything wrong and you didn't intentionally 
hurt your child. You didn't intentionally do anything to your child. That's the first thing that I like to tell people because it is an emotional thing when they hear your child might be delayed. You're like, it really comes at you and you're like, oh my God, what did I do wrong? And it can feel like a sucker punch. And it's not that at all. It's again, simply where we are. And it's unfortunate. Some people will say it on the fly as they're walking out the door. Oh, they're delayed. Bye. And they're not giving you this, hey, here's why. Here are some other things. Sometimes we'll get a, my pediatrician said this on the way out. And I don't understand what this means. And when your pediatrician writes a script for speech therapy, you don't understand why. And they only have very small pieces of information. They're seeing you during a well visit. And that can be a bit surprising for you. You're in a doctor's office. You're trying to keep your kid calm. You're probably running somewhere else. And they're also trying to keep up with their patients. They have a very small amount of time, which is unfortunate. And when you get this piece of paper that says, my child might be delayed, what are you talking about? It's a lot in that moment. So to understand that it's a possibility, we want to figure out what else is going on. And when you come to an evaluation or if you sign up for an evaluation or therapy session, whatever the case may be, we're looking at things as a whole. And we're also trying to figure out things individually as in what can your child do? What can your child, where are they? And here's how we can support you. Here are some things that they should be doing. Here's what we want to work on. And that's where the handholding comes in. And that's a great thing because as a parent or a guardian, hearing that there's a delay and now not having any support and a lot of questions, it's overwhelming. So that's the support that I offer to my clients immediately is you didn't do anything wrong. Here are the things of where we are. Here are the things we can work on. Here's where we want to go. You're not alone. And there is absolutely a ton of support here for you and for your family and for your child. That can be so comforting in such a really scary moment because Very much so. you're not sure, okay, what does this mean? And just to have someone essentially what you described is like holding your hand through it to make you feel comfortable and realize that, okay, we have steps that we can help. So you don't have to go through this scary time by yourself. Very much so. Very, oh. very much so. If your child is diagnosed with a speech or language delay, what are some common next steps of treatment? Because I think that that's what people are curious about. Like, okay, well, what does that look like? Do we have to sign up for a whole year's worth? Or is it just a quick spurt of sessions? Or what does that look like? I'm sure it's very different for every child, but what's kind of like a good standard go-to? So then maybe it will give parents a little bit more peace of mind knowing like, this is what I can potentially maybe expect if this is what my child needs. Absolutely. So let's keep going with that example. You just received a script that says, Hey, your child, we're concerned. We have speech and language delay. Here's a script. And assuming your doctor had passed it to you, if you have concerns, you were also completely able to reach out to any speech language pathologist and say, Hey, I have concerns and we will help you on where to go next. So that's just putting that out there. So now you have a script and what do I do? Let's say you reached out to Better Speech and we would say, okay, we're going to schedule a time where we can come online together and we're going to Zoom together and your three-year-old will be there and you will be there. The nice thing is, is that in that environment, I as the clinician have the ability to be in the place where your child is the most comfortable, where you are right next to them, completely supporting them. 
and we're on your schedule. So you're able to set out time for it. Our sessions are often 30 minutes or 60 minutes. Typically with a very young child, it's 30 minutes. In that 30 minutes, what you can expect is support, coaching, answers, direction on where to go next. And sometimes you'll hear they need speech therapy and you'll think, well, I don't know how long till the end of time. No, it's not that. Sometimes it's just a support. It's additional to make sure that your child is able to then properly take off. And sometimes we see changes in as little as a week and their skills are starting to develop only because we tweaked a few things. Okay, we'll try this at home, try this. Oh my goodness, now they're saying such and such. Great. Often what we see is somewhere between six months to a year, depending on what they're working on and depending on how the carryover is at home. So if that's a little bit of a small delay in language development, or they're presenting with a mild articulation or a mild language delay, it might just be a brief period of time. So especially when you hear it, you're like, oh my God, it's the next 10 years of my life every week. No, 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 that's not the case. And the other thing that I also encourage people to do is to ask questions. And with Better Speech, you're able to record our speech therapy sessions. And in that session, you're getting a ton of information of how we can help your child. And sometimes in that small amount of time, oh my gosh, what did they say? That was just so much. And that half hour goes by quick and now you can't remember anything. The fact that you can record it and replay it. And then if your spouse or your significant other is there, they can watch it. And then you can even have grandparents watch it or somebody else. So that way we're now having carryover. Okay, everybody, we're gonna be offering as much opportunity and supporting him and cheering him on when he speaks because we weren't doing that before, but now we know, and now we got some information. And now it's a completely different world because things have now pieced together and your little one can then start to understand things in a different way. And then understanding, oh, I need to speak up for myself. They were anticipating everything, but now I have to start talking for myself. Okay. And it'll snowball. So in that best case scenario, that's what we're looking at. It could be short. It could be one month. It could be two months. It could be six. It could be up to a year. Okay. That's good to know because yes, I think everyone is like, oh my gosh, is this once a week? Is it three times a week? Is this for a year? I mean, so knowing that and knowing that there's help out there that you can even do over the computer on Zoom or whatever, it makes it a lot more Ah, breathable and comforting to know that, hey, we got your back. So that's really cool. Lenora, what are some like common misconceptions about speech and language delays and what are the real facts behind them? Oh, that's a great one. The most common one I would say is when people say speech therapy, they'll hear, especially when it's for older children or for adults and they'll go speech therapy, but there's nothing wrong with my speech. And I'll say, you're right. You're speaking beautifully. But then if I ask them about how to sequence through a story and can they tell me beginning, a middle and an end or for adults, can they manage their medication? Can they do things related to their budget? There's so much else going on beyond the articulation of speech. As I said, we work from the neck and up, but we also do a lot of cognitive work. So if you're reading a story to your five-year-old or your six-year-old, you say, oh, well, what happened in the story? And they go, I don't know. Well, we want you to know, so let's support this. Or what did you watch on TV? I don't know. Okay, well, it might just be a, I don't know, I'm not gonna tell you, and there might be a, some eye roll in there. But if they're really having trouble telling you what they did, 
I ate a peanut butter and jelly sandwich today. And then I went outside and then I did this and then I did that. And they're not able to break down their day and everything that they did. What else is going on? Something else is going on because we want them to have those story details. We want them to be able to know what they did. Who were they with? How they carried out the task? Where they were? We want them to be aware of these things that we tend to take for granted when we know for sure. Oh, I know exactly what I did today. It's really important to be aware of those cognitive skills and that those cognitive skills are developing, not just math, not just science, but truly story sequencing, understanding that as they get older, words have different meanings. There's, if I say bark, okay, well, are we talking about the tree bark or are we talking about the dog that's barking? There's two different types and really starting to understand language on different levels because it gets more complex. Interesting. I find that really fascinating because I think also for our listeners right now, what you just said, I know for a fact you have asked your kid, what happened at school today? I don't know. (laughs) Or, you know, and hearing that you're like, oh no, is there something wrong with my child? And I don't think that there is. I think that that's just kids just not wanting to talk about their day. But I do think that that it's interesting, like watching a show or reading a book and asking those questions at that time can really be telling. Cause I don't think to ask that I'm like, well, we just read it. You should literally know what we just read, but asking about it for them to kind of repeat that story or what they saw and learned is really interesting. I love that piece of advice. Absolutely. I'll even encourage people to pause during the book and say, oh, okay, what happened so far? And you're on one page and they have to recall what happened. What do you think is going to happen next? What do you think is going to happen to the dog? How else would you have solved the problem or how might you solve the problem? And as you're doing that, you're offering thought flexibility and you're helping them understand what to anticipate and what they might understand from the event that's occurring. So asking other questions without giving that visual information is a great thing, especially when it comes to a problem. Oh, well, how can you have solved the problem? And allowing that thought flexibility of seeing how they solved it and then you answer it also so that they understand that it's not a test I'm not doing it as a parent or guardian to test you. I'm doing it because I'm really curious. I'm curious how you would have solved the problem. Offer your example of how you would have solved the problem because now you have the solution in the book, you have the solution that they offered, and then you have another solution. That's three solutions that offer more thought flexibility and a different perspective that they might not have seen before. Oh, this is so cool, Lenora. (laughs) I love this because we just don't hear this kind of stuff. And these are really helpful tools that parents can do at home with their child to really encourage their language. So this is just beautiful because, you know, not being able to communicate with your child can be frustrating. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Lenora, like what tips would you offer to parents to overcome those feelings of just frustration when they're just unable to communicate with their child? When they're unable to communicate with their child to find ways to do the best that you can. Notice how they are communicating and support that. If they're communicating in a certain way and they're finding it easier to express themselves in another way, pay attention to that because that's a really, really good thing to know, especially when you're frustrated. It's okay to be frustrated. Acknowledge it. Absolutely acknowledge it. I would do your best to be frustrated, 
away from your child so that they're not seeing it. And when they're seeing it, it can become more of a pressureful situation for them. And that's not going to help them open up more. That's not going to support them as much. So when you're frustrated, acknowledge it in a different space. I really think that's important. And to not say, oh, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong. If there is something wrong, it's okay. Remember, you're not the problem. There just happens to be a little hiccup, a speed bump. We will address it. But to find ways of how they're communicating and how you can support yourself, how you can support your child, how you can support your significant other, and notice how you're navigating that, especially in those moments when they can't express to you what it wants. You're then starting to get in a heightened emotional state. When you're in that state, or when your child is also in that state, your child's going to respond to you. So the more you get upset, the more they're going to escalate. And it's going to become a match of going, da, 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 da. everybody's running up the scale. Do your best to say, you know what? Okay, we're in the middle of a meltdown. And we're just going to acknowledge this for the next 15, 20 minutes. And I'm going to sit here for the next 15, 20 minutes. And we're just going to be in this moment. And we're just going to let them play it out. When you can pause and just acknowledge it and not upset yourself more. Okay, this is simply where we are. I'm going to do my best to stay calm. I'm going to change my breathing. I'm going to change my posture. And I'm going to speak softly and gently to help control the environment. When you're doing that and softly as in, oh, well, you don't need to be breaking the window. Understand the appropriate context. Okay, well, that's what we're not going to do. Okay, and do your best to come down as much as you can. Speak with intention and speak in the way that you can control your tone. When you can do that, you are now in power. Your child, literally, their nervous system will have to wire to yours. When you can control yourself, your child's nervous system will start to match you. And that's a good thing because that puts you back in power, back in control. And you can then navigate more clearly. Very cool. That's like a magic trick mm-hmm. <laughs> that you just shared. Smart. <laughs> I was going to say also, yes, that requires a lot of practice because that muscle needs to be worked out to strengthen and be able to get to that calm, quiet place, regulate your own emotions so that you can create the right atmosphere and environment. So I Love that. That's so cool. You can absolutely go be frustrated in the closet later. No problem. But in that moment, it will give you much more power. And that is what we're wanting you to have. You will feel better in that moment. For sure. Or you can be like me, wait till bedtime, then get like some ice cream and sit on the couch and just say, you know what? I deserve this. This, It's been a day. It's been a day. Oh man, Lenore, if a child does have like a speech or language delay, what are some things that parents can do at home to help their child thrive? You've given us so many great tips. Is there anything else that they can do at home to improve the situation? Absolutely. Continue to offer a language-rich environment and the opportunities for them to speak. Reading is also a phenomenal thing to do. And language is also... We have written language and we have the language that we read. So it's really important to understand that that's a part of language. And when you're reading with your child, even if they're saying, I don't like to read, I don't want to read, that's okay. Find a way to navigate that. Whether you go to the thrift store, whether you go to the bookstore, whether you go to the library, find a way to take their interests 
and connected to happy, positive memories with books and happy, positive interactions with books. If they don't like dinosaurs and they like space, don't put dinosaurs on them. That's okay. If they like space and they navigate to space, great. Find books on space because what you're wanting to do is find them a way to connect as you're reading with them, as you're showing them letters, as you're starting to explore the wonderful world of written language, they're going to start to build that language. And also when you're reading, you're offering vocabulary that you did not have before. Not that you didn't have it, they didn't have it. If you're not normally talking about space on a daily basis, they don't have that vocabulary. Another great thing to do is when you go out into the community, whether you go to the park or you go to the museum, whatever the case may be, when you can record what you did, that's fantastic. I love that everybody's got a smartphone. Show them what they did. Take a picture. And then the next day, oh, where did we go yesterday? Do you remember where we went yesterday? And asking them what they can recall from the day before or even the week before. And then even if you need to, pull out your phone oh, look at this. Do you remember that we did that? And as you're doing that, you're now pulling in all this language that they had the other day and you're reinforcing it. Another great one is songs. Keeping music on and having that language environment of fun is a great thing because now they're understanding language in a new way with a different variety of intonation and fun and play. And it's all around us. It's not the sit down and focus anymore. It's all around us. Beautiful additional tips. Oh my goodness. And I couldn't agree more. I think that helping our children learn to love books and showing different ways of how to communicate with our children rather than what we think is just textbook is a wonderful tip. So thank you for that, Lenora. And like any final thoughts or advice that you have for our listeners that you'd like to leave us with? If you ever have questions, reach out to Better Speech. You get that complimentary consultation, but also on social media, if you leave questions, we will make content just for you. So don't hesitate to ask questions. And most importantly, you don't know what you don't know. And nobody's expecting you to know the things that professionals know. If you go to a speech pathologist or I don't know everything about physical therapy. So don't ask me about physical therapy. And I know where to go for that information. That's what's most important. I'm not supposed to know about physical therapy. My job is to know about speech language pathology. Your job is to know your child. It's okay that you don't know. Do not feel bad that you have questions. Always keep asking questions. It's a great thing. Oh, amen to that. And where can our listeners find you, Lenora? We're at betterspeech.com and all on those lovely social media platforms. I love it. Oh my gosh. This was so helpful and informative, Lenora. Thank you so much again for your time and for sharing your knowledge with all of us. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was great spending time with you. Oh, it was our absolute pleasure. And for our listeners out there to learn more about Lenora and Better Speech, you can visit her on Instagram at Better Speech or online, as she said, at betterspeech.com. Our team will be posting today's episode on our Baby Chick Facebook page. So if you have any questions or comments about our discussion, please share them with us in the comment section. And as always, if you haven't already, please subscribe to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us an honest review. Cheers to better communicating with our children. 